Time now for Connecting the Diocese. Connecting the Diocese is a production of the Diocese of La Crosse. Here's host Jack Silsha. Thank you for tuning in, Connecting the Diocese. Hope you had a good Easter weekend. Last weekend, I sure did. One of the family members told us the story. He was stopped by a squad car, and they said, Sir, have you been drinking? And he said, No, as a matter of fact, I just got off work. And he said, Well, you were weaving on the road an awful lot. We thought you were drinking. And he said, No, as a matter of fact, what I was doing, I was avoiding potholes. Yes, we have indeed transitioned from winter driving to road repair. We're going to be talking with a couple of dads about how to avoid some potholes in life, especially with your kids. That's coming up right after this. I'm connecting the diocese. Well, in my neck of the woods, we jumped from kind of cold weather to 90 degrees almost overnight. I have never seen so many local people switch over to shorts so quickly. Things are really moving fast. Before you even think about it, it'll be May 6th. Now, what is May 6th, you're asking me? Well, that's the Father Joseph Walieski Legacy Guild presenting A Night with Padre Jose Sharing Memories. Very few times during the year do we have the folks from Casa Hogar in Peru come up here, and this will be one of the times. And Father Sebastian, who used to be at Casa Hogar, and Monsignor Joseph Hirsch will be up here, who is currently down there, along with a lot of stories and maybe some things you've never heard about this man who is now a servant of God and may someday, with God's grace, become a saint. This is also a dinner event with a social at 4.30 p.m. and dinner at 6.15 at the Memories Ballroom on County Road Double N at Marathon. City, Wisconsin. Now, this is not a $1,000 a plate event by any means. $30 for adults, 5 to 10-year-olds, $10. For kids 4 and under, it's free. They'll be sharing memories of the work Father Walieski did for the people of Peru, along with messages from individuals who saw firsthand how he used his two hands to make a big difference in the lives of so many people. Again, the date, Saturday, May 6th at the Memories Ballroom in Marathon City, Wisconsin. It should be a lovely and inspiring evening. Information is available at the Diocese of La Crosse website or by calling 715-297-5139. It's simply a super feel-good evening with a nice meal as well for people who either know about Father Walieski or want to know more because he is a remarkable person and he may someday become a saint from the Diocese of La Crosse. So go check it out on Saturday, May 6th. Hey, I want to welcome to the show Andrew Brigham. And also Jack Felsheim. Andy, could you tell us what your position is? Yeah, uh, Associate Director for Formation uh, for the Diocese of La Crosse, working with the guys in the Journey Program as their discerning priesthood, which is an awesome, awesome position. Love working with my guys. And uh, yeah, uh, Father Kuhn was, uh, was here last week talking about it, and uh, he said, yeah, you would be one of the point men that they'll be talking to you as well. Yeah. It was, it was a good show. It really was talking about the priests. And, and before that, we had the, the replay of the first show with the bishop talking about his story from using Necco wafers as a little kid in a martini glass <laughs> all the way up to him being a bishop. And uh, the famous story about how when he was in Rome, they called him in and to tell him he was going to be assigned you know, from being the spiritual director at the North American College to being the assistant bishop. And the guy says, you know, the Holy Father would like you to go to, to you know, Milwaukee. Then he leans into him and goes, and how do you answer the Holy Father? <laughs> <laughs> Jack Felshine, you are been here a, a long time. 
and you are currently very heavily involved in the increasingly spectacular magazine Catholic Life. Well, we do our best, you know, and, and I love working with the people um, because we get to feature so many people. Um, we try to get people from all over our diocese, and so I'm sure the readers are, you know, once in a while there'll be somebody from their parish. We do have, you know, more than 150 parishes, so it takes us a while to get all the way through. Uh, but we work hard at that, and we're just so blessed to have, uh, you know, so much involvement from our pastors and all of the other ministries. Uh, it's just great. And as an amateur photographer, I must say that uh, I, there's some really good photography. Well, we do, you know, and, and especially for the cover, we figure that, you know, we're, we're asking folks to receive this Catholic magazine into their home and we want to make it worthy of opening. And yeah. So we work hard on the, the front cover. We work hard on, you know, the inside, you know, and, and, and yeah, my wife the other day, she, she showed me this magazine and she said, where do you think this is from? And I, I had no idea. She said, this is from the grocery store. So if people think that, you know, putting stuff in the mail is outdated and old fashioned and, you know, something for your grandpa or something like that, the, the smart marketers are using the mail now because it's becoming like this novelty. It's like, wow, I got something in the mail today. This something, is so cool. You know, I, I am amazed at the number of clothing catalogs that we have been getting, mm -hmm. mostly aimed at, at women. My wife gets these ones from you know, Land's End and who knows whatever. But... Uh, because really, you can really see the pictures, you can see the colors, you can stare at them. Um, it, you don't have to worry about the laptop not working. Uh, There's something about a magazine, too, because, yeah. I mean, you, you have your phone and, and stuff flies through and you look at it. And then how many times have you said, oh, I want to come back to that? You can never find it. Mm -hmm. right? and, and you've got a calendar of diocesan events that you can flip over and look at. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of reasons. And also, you know, as we've been saying, not everybody is a heavy user of the internet. Uh, we have people listening on the radio, we have people listening on podcasts, things like that. Uh, but we try to accommodate people's different styles yeah. of what they get. I always find it um, you know, heartwarming when I'm over to a friend's house and there on the coffee table is uh, one of the magazines. <laughs> well, you know, and also, and you can, you know, we talked about that also that, that you have to have what they used to call high production values mm. because people see so much really high quality stuff that if, say, for example, the magazine didn't look as good, they might not notice exactly what it is about it, but they notice it. Mm -hmm. And so this thing, it will, it will basically hold its own against anything I've seen lately. And uh, it's, uh, it's quite good. And, you know, it's one more way that the diocese is trying to reach all kinds of people, all different ways, all different media, with essentially the same message. Basically, we want you to, to know what we're doing. And there's so much stuff that goes on here. I wanted to get you guys on today because you, you opened up the papers and uh, they're talking about uh, teen mental health crisis and i'm kind of removed from all this uh but you know they're, they're talking even about like suicide rates and they're talking about people doing really uh stupid stuff that someone some influencer <laughs> suggests to them on on some you know social media site hey have you tried putting this in your mouth and then setting fire to it it's cool you know, and, and uh, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I was just uh, checking out something. There was a, we're talking, reading a whole bunch of discussions about electric cars, and there was this discussion of lithium batteries. And there are these two guys, 
they're out there, thank goodness, in the woods someplace, and they claimed it had been raining, so the grass is wet, who had lined up a whole bunch of lithium batteries and were pounding nails into them. And these things not only smoked and caught fire, but one guy kept going back to check it, and it kept exploding. <laughs> and I'm going, you know, don't try this at home. Yeah, but, I right. mean, you could have some kid take apart his cell phone and go out there and wham a, a nail into it because it looked kind of cool. Uh, and these guys were by no means experts. <laughs> you know, they were not influencers, I hope. But uh, there's all this stuff going on. Now, what are the age brackets of, of your kids now? I know you, I'm trying to get the, the range... You've, you, you've grown them up from, from little nubbins all the way to, what, college practically. Yeah, I was going to say, for my kids, uh, we have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-year-old. Uh, so we got the younger bracket of the kids, I would say. The younger spectrum. <laughs> and then he looks over on this side of the table. <laughs> we, have the, we have the older bracket, uh, 19 through 27. Yeah, but you've the been, there, been there, done that kind of crud. Yeah, exactly. okay. Yeah. No, that's for sure. I, I was talking to uh, one of my relatives who's an elementary school teacher. She's now moved on to doing other stuff, but uh, she says even in two years, uh, when she really left actively being in school, things have gotten different. Uh, and, you know, the, the stressors that are going on. We had the pandemic, and I, you guys could talk about how your kids dealt with that or how you dealt with that. And the other things that are going on that most recently, I mean, I, we went to visit relatives this weekend, and before we left, there was a shooting. at uh, Somebody got angry at somebody at a, at a food court and killed a bunch of people. On the way there, there's this thing in the South called the uh, Senior Skip Day. And uh, it, it's, when se- it's the day before Easter break or as they now call it, spring break. But um, the day before the break, the seniors go to the beach. I think this is in North Carolina or someplace where it's warmer than here. Where they have a beach. Yeah, where they have a beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, people got angry with each other and gunfire broke out. And I was amazed. It's The police said, we, we gathered up all the guns. We're not sure which ones are actually used. So, I mean, this meant that a bunch of them were packing of high school kids. And then on the way back, we had the deal with the bank, with the person who goes out and buys an AR-15, and the next day comes in and bang, 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 bang. This has got to weigh heavily on the psyche of kids, because this is not anything abstract. I mean, when I was a kid, we had atomic warfare and, and the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was very real for me. But it was still abstract. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I could turn the news on and see you know, uh, body cam footage of the police running in and shooting somebody. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, you know, can I go to the food court? Can I go to school? Can I go to church? Can I go to a picnic? Can I go out and jog? Can I do anything? Let me start with you, Andy. Your youngest ones, how cognizant are they of all this stuff? And also, maybe you want to start with how did they handle the various stuff of the pandemic? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, our two youngest, like, you know, we... Uh, we got Barry, we adopted Barry right before the pandemic. And so he, his first birthday was, you know, in quarantine and things like that. So, you know, those, those days. So it was really weird. Like, and you can tell, you know, it's interesting seeing his age bracket and I just get to start coaching them for soccer this weekend. So I'll get to see them all run around herding cats. But, um, you know, there's a a level of like social interaction that is seemed to be missing there. Uh, you know, even when, and I look at mass, right, we just had an Easter tree to them and we brought our kids to all like three of the, of the masses, uh, you know, during that span, you know, seven o'clock at night. So our kids like, you know, they're crazy as it is. But Barry never really got that getting to go to church right away. His like formative time, 
he was watching it at home while I was at church streaming it. Right. And so trying to reorient him back to mass, like it's hard. Uh, it's, it's difficult. So there's that aspect there. Um, you know, for our oldest, Oliver, you know, he's a very social kid, loves talking, loves his friends. That's every day when we do our highs and lows. What's your favorite thing? What's your high today? Playing with my friends. He just loves that. And uh, so for him in kindergarten at that time to just be pulled out, or would that be uh, 4K, just all of a sudden up in the middle of the year, he just gets pulled out. Then he had to do it all via virtual and like having him like do his classes, watching an iPad, like in our unfinished basement, like, and he's sitting down there just listening to the teacher talk and watching a video or whatever it is. Like, yeah, that was hard on his psyche. And then like, when can we go back? When we can, when can we go back? And then going back with mass, like that was hard. You know, he's resilient and you're seeing the resilience in some of these kids too, as they're coming back into it, that they, he really does enjoy playing with his friends. I would say more than the average person. He always wants to be outside doing something now, right? Rather than just uh, sitting inside for the most part. There was a, a an author who was a popular guy on Catholic networks and who has, I don't know, 14 kids, many of them adopted. And he's, uh, I remember him talking about the difference between little girls and little boys going mm -hmm. to school. Mm -hmm. The little girl would come home from school and you'd say, how was your day today? You know, Susie. And she'd go, oh, it was great. Mrs. So-and-so came in and she brought some flowers and she had a new dress on. And then also we got some crayons. And then she'd you know, say, you know, well, uh, Freddie, how, how, was, how was your day? Okay. Yeah. What'd you do? Stuff. <laughs> so to, to have an outgoing one like that is kind of it's kind of uh, kind of oh, good. Yeah. No, he loves talking. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah it's, that's it's nice. good. Yeah, now, Jack, you have older ones who are out of the house and doing other things. They're uh, in the workforce, college, things like that. Mm -hmm. how, how are they sure. reacting to the How do they handle the pandemic? Number one, right? Well, um, how did you handle the pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, it was interesting because. Uh, so we got a we got a call. I can I, there's a there's a few key milestones that you know are etched in my memory. So my wife's birthday is March 17th. Okay, so we were up in Minneapolis because our oldest daughter lives in Minneapolis, and we were celebrating her birthday like we do every year, right? And so we're up there, and we're at the at the hotel, and you know everything is. Like it's, this is, this is like two days before, um, you know, everything is completely shut down. Um, you know, we're, we're there at the breakfast buffet is no longer, they're doing a, a sit down, serve you kind of breakfast, you know, so we're eating our breakfast and it's one of these hotels where there's, you know, a lot of glass and there's this conference room where there's, you know, eight people in, you know, it's business suit kind of people looking very, very worried and tense, uh, having a meeting. Uh, obviously about you know what's going to happen to the to the hotel industry you know in that particular case our our daughter that we were visiting was working in the industry uh, she was a, a event coordinator and um, you know she she was let go at the end of the week and furloughed until they finally had to let her go you know around Thanksgiving and so she basically spent you know the whole summer you know, just wondering what, you know, what's next and stuff like that. So we went to mass though on March 17th, right? We were up in the cities, we went to mass and this was when, you know, at mass they were getting very, you know, not exactly sure. I mean, you, you know, you don't want to be, you know, cavalier about it, but at the same time, 
you know, and so I, I still remember we were sitting there, all of our, our family was there and, and the priest, you know, kind of was like, well, you know, we need to be, you know, more distanced, you know, even families, you don't need to. And we're kind of looking at each other and it's like, oh, okay, you know, and then, uh, and then the most, the most kind of striking idea though, was just the, the idea of the, the churches being closed and the masses being celebrated privately and, and faithful, you know, asked to remain at home. And so receiving communion at mass that day, you know, was really the last time we received communion for several weeks. You always look at receiving Holy Communion, uh, you know, as a, as a gift, you know, as, as kind of the gift. Um, so often you take it for granted. You know, we always remember our first communion. I mean, most everybody you ask, can you remember your first? They can tell you what they were wearing. They can tell you what the weather was like. You know, the, the person you were sitting next to and, you know, the whole. How about your second communion? How about your third communion? How about your fourth? You know, and the subsequent, you know, the, 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 the desire that really came home to me was, you know, you receive your, your Holy Communion as, a, as if it's your first, but also as if it's your last. Hmm. You know, and so that really, um, that really hit home. But that was just really one of the kind of the one, the more stark moments. Uh, These uh, hotels were frantic. And again, the idea of who could be less lucky than an event coordinator at the beginning of a pandemic. They, they tried to mitigate stuff. It was, it was really tough. Boy, the other thing that for teachers, uh, not at the beginning especially, nobody really knew exactly how contagious this was. There are all kinds of different messages. We had no idea whether there was going to be a vaccine or not. These teachers were in a room full of kids, and especially younger kids. And you don't know, they're, you know, they're, they're grabbing each other and doing everything and eating each other's, you know, Tootsie Rolls and stuff like that. Uh, but it, it, there's so much uncertainty. And this has to filter down to, to, to the kids. Yeah. Uh, Jack, you talked about, you know, kind of the world ideas and the big problems and the big, you know, talk about making this very personal where how can something, I mean, you, you, we were reading about this, you know, in December and January about this, you know, virus and how it's, you know, getting here and, you know, stuff's being, you know, but now you're walking down the street and you, you are like, people are like away from you and you go near somebody and they, you know, this becomes extremely personal, you know, and uh, no, it, it, it was very, I mean, my brother-in-law was was at our house, and two weeks later, he was dead uh, from COVID. Uh, right, and and so it's like, okay, you know, when did this happen? You know, how you know, talk about making things personal and making things real. Um, well, it's also it was so insubstantial. I mean, it wasn't like a uh, Hiroshima or something like that, where there was an atomic explosion and then damage. I mean, everything looked the same. And this is kind of like the, the, you know, you see in creepy movies about biological warfare. It's, you, it's there, but you can't see anything right. or radiation or something like that. But it, it was a very strange time. And I, I'm, I remember when I was probably in yeah, third grade, my parents were having some difficulties about something. It was a moving here or moving there. And my mother wanted to move to California and my father didn't want to leave. And there was tension. And I could remember it, it affected me. Even though I wasn't cognizant specifically of what their problems were, uh, I felt the tension and it was really, you know, really very difficult. And so parents being worried about 
not only getting COVID, but also the financial difficulties, how this is affecting their job, the companies they work for, maybe they're entrepreneurs, maybe they're event coordinators, you know, I mean, things like that. It, it filters down to the kid level. And it's just, it's, I don't know how you tell them it's going to be okay. I guess basically you just yeah, have to. Yeah, I remember, uh, I remember sitting at our, our dinner table with our middle daughter and one of her friends from school. Uh, and this was like a week week into COVID, and, and and they were just trying to jockey where you know where people are going and things like that. And I, I said, this is a time for people who are creative, because you need to be resourceful. You need to look at what you have rather than looking at everything that's taken away from you. And if you can if you can work with what you have, look at what you have, and work within the framework that you're given, you know the creative people are going to be be. Uh, able to, to come through this, but using that creativity and having that creativity, you know, otherwise you're just going to be at home and be afraid of your own shadow and you won't be able to come, you know, I mean, it, it, it's very, very difficult. How did you get the magazine put together? Well, right. I mean, that it's a very, a very real, a very real question. Um, you know, because all of a sudden we can't, you know, do so many things, you know. Fortunately, we do work a lot of what we do. We work remotely. So we do have freelance writers who are, are working, you know, in their own environments. They went to Zoom for interviews and things of that nature. The photo shoot, the photographer would go and he would maintain, you know, he's got a long lens so he can maintain 20 feet and, you know, all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so here we are. I was Sunday night, you know, and this is well into it. Sunday night, the photo shoot was going to be Monday. Photographer calls me Sunday night, and he says, I got COVID. <laughs> what else is new, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, stay home, and we'll figure it out, you know. But, uh, yeah, so, but we didn't, we didn't really miss a beat, I'd have to that's, say. That's good, yeah. Um, but it was, it would just have to just do things differently. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what you want to accomplish, and you used to do it this way. Well, now we're going to do it this way. Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and Andrew, what were you doing during the, 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 you're relatively new working with the vocations people. Yeah. So I was, uh, at the time, that was my first full year of being director of religious education at St. Pat's. Okay. And, so, and, how, uh, how, and suddenly there's COVID. Yeah. And so my whole religious ed year got thrown uh, right out the window, you know, so we did our best. It was right before first communion. So we had to put a pause on first communion uh, for the time being. And we were just about to have confirmations. We had to put a pause on confirmation uh, for all those teens. Uh, you know, we had to figure out, I, I, I switched basically positions at the church and with my background in sound and IT, uh, I got streaming up and going within two days of the same patch, just being able to piece things together. Um, so we didn't miss a beat there. And then I, was putting things out for like, uh, you know, they did the divine offices and night prayers and I would tape those. Uh, I was actually probably at church more. <laughs> I felt like I was working more uh, during COVID than I, than I was uh, before that. But, you know, same thing, uh, we had to be creative. And uh, so I was doing some Zoom Bible studies and we, once, uh, you know, some restrictions were lifted, we were doing, uh, you know, campfires at, outside of houses and things like that, just so we could have gathering, maintain social distancing. But, you know, because what I found out, especially with teens at that time, working with the high schoolers specifically, was that they just needed to be able to see another person's face. Uh, you know, everybody was getting, you know, Zoom fatigue. Um, and so when we finally started having those like in-person gatherings, you know, with maintaining social distancing numbers, et cetera, the energy in the room was just, just so, it was so high. 
just because they're like, oh gosh, it just feels so good. It feels normal, right? Quotations normal for what it was at the time. Yeah, I guess you're right. When you think about it, when when all of us were one-time teenagers in high school or whatever, you, you know, it was a very social time. You saw these people in school. You saw them after school. I happened to be in a youth fellowship group from fifth grade through my senior year in high school, which was extremely valuable. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're not seeing your friends. You know, they change a little bit. They grow up a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm always re- remembering back in those days when everyone went off to college, for example, and we all came back. I came back from the Army. They came back from college. You would see your friends and, and, and the the, the, the women, the young ladies from the group have changed. You know, their hair is longer. They look different. They're, you know, and you haven't seen them for a year. Well, we, we've had the situation where you've got people who they don't see their buddies for a year or they only see them kind of vaguely on a screen and then, then they don't get to see them in person and things like that. Or maybe some guy was you know, trying to tell some gal how much he liked her and all of a sudden he can't see her. <laughs> Stuff like that going on. Did you, uh, how, how did you tell the, the, the young teens to persevere. I mean, what all did you do? Yeah, and for me, just trying to be that leader for them to be like, you know, guys, we're going to be able to endure this somehow, right? And so as long as they, we try to keep that message of hope going with them, focusing on the gospel and, right, you know, there's going to be times of trials. Uh, and as long as we have our faith as a bond, like, we'll be able to make it through this. Like, mm-hmm. And just making sure I, w- I was always checking in with them, just seeing, like, how are you, how are you mentally? How are you doing? Like, you know, those sort of things, not like, oh, what are you doing today or whatever? Like, how are you actually doing? Mm-hmm. Um, like, how, how's your family life? Like, are you struggling with anything? You know, trying to be very intentional with them in those situations because, yeah, you know, you being at home, it's, it's tense. Not everybody got the luxury of like for my wife, she was a teacher, so she could like virtually do it from home. But then she was like basically homeschooling our son. Uh, at the same time and so we had parents that were there all the time that we could like be with our kids not every family had the luxury of being able to do that so just making sure that they felt seen and that they felt loved like that was probably the most important thing Mm -hmm. during that time that helps jack in addition to the magazine um prior to to eric being here you were mastering this gigantic communication effort and the diocese in general and and the communications department including you of course and specifically really stepped up to the plate where all of a sudden we were streaming stuff which we really hadn't done much before and also the audio quality was really good and the video quality was really good did you have to go scramble to buy new equipment or how what what did you do because it it jumped up and it, it picked up the ball and, and ran with it. Right. Well, you know, so it was it was three or four years before this that we started the idea of trying to live stream. And Zach, our technical our, expert here, mm-hmm. so he had gradually started building the infrastructure at the cathedral. And so we had, we gradu- we started, you know, with, with uh, the kind of a portable setup, and then we went to a more... Uh, mounted or permanent setup kind of a semi-permanent setup and it was literally because it it happened you know right in march there and then we wanted to start streaming right away the ash wednesday we had all the gear by that time ready to go it wasn't located at the cathedral we would have to go set it up but we had three professional cameras we had a rig set up with with wirecast the professional streaming software we were able to stream up to Facebook and YouTube, um, we had installed the fiber network at the cathedral so we could go with HD. And so everything was like in place. And so literally all I did when to get this going, I took a, car, a, a cart that I had. And so he put all the computer equipment on this cart 
And that cart then was a permanent fixture at the cathedral for the next, I mean, it's there now, but, but it was there for the whole summer all the way until the masses started going public again. And then we, then we would roll it into the back and lock, lock it up, you know, but uh, yeah. That's, you know, number one, what a, what a fantastic timing. (laughs) It was as if we knew it was coming, but you know, I mean, how could we possibly have You you haven't been to China recently, have you? Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the the thing is also that for, for people, not just kids, but for adults, the isolation and the not being able to get into the sanctuary, basically, or on a limited basis, or it doesn't seem the same. It's kind of like when a person leaves home for, for college or, or military or whatever, and it isn't the same. And so it doesn't feel the same. And so they kind of drift away. There's a real opportunity to just kind of put all the church stuff aside, and then something else has to fill it. Unfortunately for young people, very often social media, but by you guys being able to keep people connected mm. through the, the through the video masses and all the other stuff the live streaming stuff it, it, it was kind of like getting a letter from home when you're when you're away at college or something like that you know we did get a lot of positive comments yeah um, a lot of people I mean they were just and and also folks who are you know homebound yeah who can't leave their home we're getting more opportunities actually now because now you can you, you can watch mass you know, even in our own diocese, we had at least a dozen or more parishes who were live streaming. Um, so you could kind of check in and, and see, you know, other. But it was definitely, it's it's a substitute. It's not, you know, it's not a replacement by any means. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a substitute. It's not a replacement. But by golly, it, it was important to, to see it yeah. and to have to be able to have the bishop talk and be heard. Well, and, I mean, yeah, maintain yeah. that relationship, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. however kind of one-sided it mm-hmm. it. it was during that time. Yeah. But, now, you know. did uh, did those of you who had kids at home at that time? Did you have them come watch on on TV, or what did you do? Yeah. So for I mean, for us, like it was you know right at Easter that year that that was going on. So I at the time, you know, I didn't bring my family into church because you weren't supposed to have anybody there, right? And I wasn't going to bring my kids to be allowed, and people be like, "What's that?" Our audio would have picked it up. We didn't have. A professional setup by any means right and so my wife and my son they'd be watching from home and i would be streaming for the for monsignor ketchel uh, at church so we didn't we didn't get to have them there until what was that end of may june when they finally started letting people back into church again so so yeah it was it was tough it was really tough because yeah i would have really liked to been with my family to celebrate you know easter and all those other uh, all the other masses but yeah, on Sundays we were always we were always apart. Yeah, just the yeah. way to be able to connect people. So. And so one of your kids is there going, "Hey, look, there's Daddy." Yeah, right. <laughs> he he would know. He wouldn't see me, right? A good good cameraman wouldn't be on the screen. Uh, but yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, wait, Dad's doing this right now." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Dad's doing this right now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't want to spend too much time on the uh, uh, the gun violence, but it it really has getting to the point where it seems practically every day. Now, part of it is sometimes these are things that will happen that under normal circumstances years ago you never would have heard about. That, you know, somebody got mad and shot somebody in, uh, you know, West uh, Overshoe. You wouldn't hear about it. But now CNN picks it up. Oh, another shooting. However, uh, if you do count mass shootings as being, I think, four or more people or whatever it is, they have decidedly increased. Uh, People are suddenly deciding to get angry about something and instead of uh, getting angry and yelling, they go out and they get a gun. And I, I don't know precisely, I wish I, if I knew why this was happening, I'd be heading some commission. Uh, I don't know where this is coming from. I believe personally that there's, as I say, when people leave 
their faith life, or they just think, well, I don't need to do that anymore. Something else fills it. And I must admit that uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to sound like one of these people like, you know, like my father, all oh, those kids in there rock and roll, it's going to ruin them. <laughs> you know, those Beatles with that long hair. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Believe me, that was going on in my time. But the, the social media thing, uh, people are spending incredible amounts of time looking at it. And when I was a kid in, in grade school, high school, whatever, we had bullies. We had fun making. But what didn't happen was if there was a guy who was funny looking or who, who like in my case, my mother dressed me funny. Uh, <laughs> we, we were in the Civil Air Patrol which is a wonderful organization. And my mother was also in it. And, and she was kind of like the quartermaster. She had like the uniforms and junk. And so sometimes I would go wearing like a blue Air Force shirt or something, which later on, you know, they were kind of, go, oh, that's kind of cool. But back then it was like, your mother dresses you funny. But what happened was it wasn't like maybe somebody might make a comment. Like one of my best friends very innocently said, Jack, you look like a uniformed policeman. But he didn't take a picture of me and put it up on Facebook saying, look how stupid social looks. And, you know, young people, young girls who don't think their hair is right or don't think their clothes are right or don't think their feet are right or who knows, whatever. And guys, similarly, it's one thing to know that someone's making fun of you and, you know, who thinks someone's talking about me looking funny with this thing I'm wearing. But it's one thing to have it put up on the Internet where thousands of people can look at it and they mock. They're mocking you. And have any of you had any experience to, with that, not necessarily with your kids, but in general that you know of? I mean, just working in youth ministry, dealing with the teens and they, you know, they come into the group, even within the youth group, there'd be cliques that were there and you have to try to put out fires because you think, you know, they're coming to, to learn more about their faith. And all of a sudden you realize like, oh, there's cliques here too. And you got to be like, guys, like, this is not how you welcome a new person in. Like, right. You got You got to be able to actually bring them into the group, uh, not just stick with yourselves. Um, so, so yeah, it's hard. And like being, when I taught at Aquinas, same thing, like it was there. I get, it's only getting worse, uh, you know, from everything that I know, you know, I was there four years ago and like at that point it was still like, it was very prevalent. I can't imagine what it's like now and yeah, what they're yeah. dealing with. Like I had forgotten about the term clicks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's so hard, but, yeah. uh, you know, I see, so I see it with them. Yeah. So it's, it's very prevalent. Um, you know, with my, my son, eight years old yet, no, we no social media for him, that sort of thing. But, yeah. you know, it's something that we talk about, like, you know, how, how do we be able to stay in contact with him? You know, how, does he have a phone? He doesn't have a phone. Uh, but like, we're almost at that point now that he's starting to do sports and go to friends' houses and things, but how, do, how are we going to manage that when the time comes? Because, you know, I get to see the you know there's positives to it yeah being able to connect but yet isolation is still there yeah. even though you feel connected yeah. uh, via the app it's there's still a little bit of loneliness and wanting to be seen it's funny because uh, again <clears throat> this is the old guy talking but uh, you know in, in the old day i used to have in my room a transistor radio that was it and then later on you began seeing ads from the phone company like you know for uh for their birthday, get them a phone for their own room. And then remember the early days, I think we even talked with you about this years ago, the early days of personal computers, whether they be a Commodore 64 or whatever, that you put the computer in the family room where the family was. And this way, if they're going to be 
run across something inappropriate, you're, you're, you can spot it ahead of time going, eh, don't, I wouldn't go there, Fred, I hire you, you know, that kind of thing. But now the, there is this feeling of entitlement that you need to have your own personal phone, your own computer, your own everything in your room that you can lock. And, uh, and if, you, if the parent should look into it, <gasps> invasion of privacy. And uh, it's, it's like years ago you were on the show and you were telling the story about the, the parent, the mom in that case, who could not get their daughter to go to mass. They tried everything. And you were sitting, kind of listening from a distance because it really wasn't your conversation, but you kind of turned around on your desk and went, which one of you is the parent? <laughs> I don't know what you do. How do you, how do you handle in your expertise, social media grew up somewhat after your kids were out of the house, right? Mm, yeah, sort of. Um, but yeah, we, we certainly, I mean, Andrew was, was spot on. I mean, our, our kids did not participate in social media until they were, you know, well into the age of reason, if not, you know, 17, 18 years old. Um, so, you know, they were definitely, you know, uh, naive on a lot of things that, that others become expert on pretty quickly. You know, and that was just, that was pretty intentional. Well, I, I love it. What did you say? What They were in the age of reason, did you say? Well, beyond the age of reason. Beyond her age. Beyond, yeah, well, the, the, reason, the one thing that, that uh, is a, a Catholic term, and maybe other religions too, I don't know, but uh, they talk about this one period of a child's life at the age of innocence. And uh, I, fortunately, uh, in you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, even eighth grade, was still very much in the age of innocence, you know, maybe making model airplanes and maybe flying gliders and doing boy stuff, you know, and, and girls were doing girl stuff. They weren't trying to be so-called hotties. Uh, and boy, the, the shrinking or, or lacking that age of innocence when you're just a kid, you're just a kid. And now it seems like they're mostly being marketed to uh, despite the fact that these places say, are you uh, 13 or older? Before you, if you're not, you can't come on. The kid lies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm 20. <laughs> My name is Timmy. But <laughs> And there's a, a lot of data mining and all this stuff going on. But the thing is that we, we talk about how the, uh, the Internet can amplify things, whether it be a good cause or a bad cause. We, you know, we can get out with our things, which is a good thing. You know, white supremacists can get out with which is a bad thing. But at the same time, the bullying and the name calling and the, the clicky stuff is really out of hand. And I'm just amazed. They're using the term influencers so much now. As if this 16-year-old, you know, who's hawking Chinese shirts is an influencer. But these people are finding products on, on Amazon. And then they open up their Amazon store, which just lists those products. They don't even have to own them. And then they go, hey, look at this really cool thing I found. Don't you think it's great? And then the person clicks on the link to buy it and they get money. So basically, this is, this is replacing the paper route. But at the same time, you've got these people just pushing all kinds of things that you don't really need. People go, why doesn't the FCC do something about it? Because the Internet is not on the public airwaves. It is not on taxpayer airwaves. It can't. The only thing that can be done is at the final destination where your, you know, your parents need to talk to you. Yeah. But no. again, I, I, my understanding, and maybe both of you could comment on this, kids can be incredibly sneaky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if they, you know, if they can hide stuff and they can, they can, you know. There was even a deal where a year or two back they were talking about um, kids bringing cell phones into class and they're, where they're not allowed. Uh, but they actually have ringtones of a high enough frequency that most people over like 40 can't hear them. And so... <laughs> 
the teacher couldn't hear the ringtone go off. No, jeez. You know, they are sneaky, and they know the technology, and they know how to beat beat stuff. Yeah, uh, which is really really amazing. Are there any besides the observations I bring up? I mean, are there any other particular topics or particular things about um, parenting in general, the kids today, this kind of stuff? that you would want to point out that maybe you think could be could be kicked into higher orbit yeah no, it's it's definitely hard uh you know being a parent nowadays you know especially a uh, parent is trying to live out their faith for their children right being able to pass it on is what we're called to do um you know hammer it into your children's head but not in a way that's going to be off-putting to them how do you make faith life something that is lived rather than something that is just knowledge that they that they have right and that's something, you know, being in youth ministry and bringing that, trying to bring that into our family, you know, that it's uh, our family is trying to like live that out more and more. And that, you know, our son can be a witness to everybody else. You know, when we have teacher, we're friend with his teachers, uh, even at the public school, you know, he'll say what he did for Easter and just ask all the other kids, what did you do for Easter? And, you know, half of them are like, nothing. Like, he's like, oh, did you go to church? No. Like, and then he was like, oh, yeah, it was really cool. We got a candle and like, you know, almost lit my brother on fire, you know, all those sort of things. Like, <laughs> you know, those are things that he remembers. But, uh, you know, he has his first communion coming up this weekend. So he's like sharing that in class. He's being, he's a little evangelizer in class being like, hey, I get my first communion this week. Like, I'm really excited for it. And so we're, we're really just trying to reinforce that because, yeah, like you said, you know, there's so much negative, negative things that are out there. And we're really just trying to focus on, all right, how can we bring the faith into a lived experience for him? That is something that is organic, that he can just that that it feels right. Right. That it's not something that's an add on, mm-hmm. but something that like this is the perspective that he needs to be able to see the world through. And, uh, you know, we're trying to heck, we're not perfect at it. We fail, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but we're doing our best and it's like for any parents that are out there that are listening like just keep on trying like that that's the best thing that you can do like once you realize you're like man you hit a roadblock and you just stop like no that's that's the worst thing that can happen you just got to keep persevering through it and it's gonna it's you're gonna you know take two steps forward eight steps back uh, but eventually you're gonna get in the right direction if you keep if you keep persevering through it yeah there's this uh the thing now, and I don't know what to do, and maybe one of you can help. Uh, you know, for one thing, the, the Catholic Life magazine keeps showing examples of good family life and, and people raising kids and, and doing things and doing projects and helping out with orphans and doing well digging and all the cool things that are done in the name of religion and not, not because they're Catholic. Well, it's because they're Catholic, yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're doing it because this is what they're told is a wonderful thing to do uh, by someone whose resurrection we just celebrated. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, very important. Uh, people should be listening to what he said. But uh, uh, you've got these people who now are so-called nuns, N-O-N-E-S. They, they are unaffiliated. And they're raising kids. And I don't know... Um, if you have a kid who is affected by this, who says, well, you know, Fred over here, he doesn't go to church anymore and he's real happy. Well, what do you say to them? I don't know. I, I, I keep trying to point out in, in this show all the neat stuff this diocese does and how you can be part of it. And uh, what the good old Brother Lawrence book, The Practice of the Presence of God, that if you don't have some feeling for the presence of God in your life, you're missing out on a whole spectrum it's like you're, you're colorblind, like you can't see all the colors. And believe me, there's some cool colors out there. And they're, they're, they're here and they're available and they're free. And all you got to do is just kind of like open your eyes. 
one of the things that that I know our family has done to keep the faith alive, I guess, in in our kind of in our daily activities is we we try to connect in with the sacramental nature of the faith. You know, obviously the, the First Holy Communion, this will be a big, kind of a big thing for your family. I mean, the, the other siblings are going to witness this. Mm-hmm. So it's your oldest is? Yeah. Yeah. So this will be kind of the first, first mm-hmm. Holy Communion. And then the one right behind is watching to see what's going on is because that'll be, that'll be an interesting thing. The baptism, I'm sure, right? So your youngest was baptized, your oldest was there. Yeah. And remembers that very well. Mm-hmm. We would always, on the baptismal anniversary, make a big deal about that. Obviously, your birthday is a big thing, and that's, you know, kind of that. But we, you know, the, the church owns the baptismal anniversary. And, and so let's make a big deal about that. You know, we get the candle out. We have a Same. little ceremony. And, and the younger kids are remembering this from the older kids. And, you know, and then it progresses into, and when you will be confirmed, you know, as, as the, the prayer goes on that uh, sheet. You know, and then at some point, you know, this is something that they're looking forward to receiving, not something that they're looking forward to passing through. You know, then that will become more, you know, the next step for them uh, in that sense. And then the, the reception of Holy Communion, trying to get to Mass as often as possible. And then also the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And, you know, the, the, the best part about reconciliation is when it's over. You know, I mean, you you go through this, you you lead up to it, and you you know, it's it's everything that leads up to it. But every time, it's like that the you know the joy is found you know after after you've you've gone through it, and it it doesn't in my instance it doesn't get any easier than the first time. Um, really, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I still feel like I'm you know eight years old and and when I'm there, and it's it's very humbling. It's very you know kind of a base level feeling, but it for me at least it hasn't but using those sacramental identities and also you talked about the colors right i mean why not bring those colors into your house somewhere maybe on even your meal table you know whether it is you know during lunch you use purple for placemats on the table or some kind of a purple candle or something that you know advent is kind of the no-brainer you have the advent candle advent wreath and you do you know all of that um you know now during easter you know our table is decorated in white you know, because it matches the, the vestments at church. And, you know, then Gaudete or Latari Sunday, you know, oh, look, the priest is wearing the rose-colored vestments, you know, and be quick to correct people if they call it pink, you know. <laughs> and it's just those little kind of, you know, parts of, of who we are as Catholics and, and what we can celebrate um, that the kids can latch on to. You know, it's, that's, that's kind of the fun thing. And then when the kids get older, then you can start explaining why. Why does the priest wear a rose vestment in the middle of... Lent or in the middle of Advent, or why is ordinary time green? And then, oh, there's a special day and then he's got red on, you know, and you just, it's just this little like visual clue that it it makes it, it it brings it into the family, brings it. And then the older kids can say, look, look, what? And then, okay, let's, let's see what color they're going to wear today. You know, what color do you think they're going to have on? And it's just that whole interest level that just We've talked before about the the Mass in general, the the actual physical church itself, are filled with symbols. I mean, they're everywhere around you, and and sometimes you don't even understand them. Uh, And then someone points out what they are. And it's like, just look at what's going on. He's, he's lifting this up. He's doing this. You know, I mean, uh, the Easter Vigil, my goodness, what more full of symbols can you possibly get? It's incredible. But even little things like uh, saying grace before a meal and maybe asking the child, what's your, what's your favorite thing to say for grace? Just things like that. 
the practice of the presence of God, and, and maybe, as Jack is saying, finding links to doing things in your home that connect with what's going on in the church during the during the church calendar. It's a, it's a good idea. It isn't just, just getting the Advent calendar out once a year and, you know, hanging one up or something like that. There's stuff all year long that you can incorporate. And that's the thing, too, you know, to be creative with it. Like, yeah, we do the baptism. We pull out the baptismal candle and light it. You know, same sort of thing. We found, like, two really awesome things that worked for our kids, like, especially Oliver, is like there's podcasts out there that you can listen to saint stories for kids you know i'll plug them like that's they're fantastic they're like you know five minutes and they just tell a saint story for a kid and like i would use it at religious ed and our son like when we're in a car it doesn't request to listen to music he wants to listen to the saint stories like what kid does that like right (laughs) Uh, it's but it's fantastic because he knows all these saints and when you know when when confirmation comes He's going to have a plethora of saints to be able to pick from, you know, because mm-hmm. he, he knows them. He's like, oh, like when he hears of like, uh, you know, St. Hyacinth and he's like the patron saint of power. He's like, oh, dad, it's like you, you got a gym, right? He's your patron saint, you know, those sort of things. Yeah. And we get to have those conversations. So like just like, and that's the thing. It doesn't need to be anything huge. Just these little things, you yeah. know, even like during Lent, we had the Jesus Storybook Bible. I think that's a great resource, a great introductory resource for families. Like in every night we'd read it because it would tie the Old Testament into the New Testament. What does this have to do with what Jesus is going to do? Like, especially coming up in the Easter and you can finish it. You do one story a night. It gets you all the way up to Good Friday. Yeah. Like it almost falls in perfectly. And our, our son asks these questions about it. And so it's just the little things that you that you can do that you don't think have a huge impact, but it really, they really do. They do, yeah. The, the, the problem is, is that these kids are not going to pick this up on their own. It's like uh, we were talking with Father Kuhn about the people have an inclination towards the priesthood, but nobody ever says to them, have you ever considered the priesthood? And that can be the trigger that changes their entire life. These kids need parents to guide them to these things and so they can see them. If the parents have some degree of faith, the kids will probably have some degree of faith. And if the parents explain why they do what they do, the kids may continue to do it. And also, in troubling times, you know, and we have all these things going on with every, every other day, there's someone getting shot. And how do you explain to, a, to an eight-year-old what's going on? There has to be something that basically comforts them a little bit, and that, that takes their mind off the rotten stuff that's going on. When I was a kid, we used to have the, the supermarket newspapers that were, you know, at the, at the checkout stand, you know, the National Enquirer and all this stuff. And they, were, they made stuff up. I mean, it was all... <laughs> You know, Bat Boy. Mm. You know, I remember after 9-11, they had a picture of him with a uniform on going, Bat Boy enlists. <laughs> you know, and it was a good morale booster, I must admit. But it was nonsense, of course. But when I was little, you know, there was somebody claiming that the world was going to come to an end. And I see this in the paper. And I'm a little kid, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about it, right? And I finally mentioned this to my mother, you know, after <laughs> she got to keep a straight face. But uh, she says, Jack, the, the world's not coming to an end. That's just nonsense. But if it was, God would take care of you. And that was the end of it. And someone else was saying, you don't have to go to minutiae detail with kids. You can give them a simple answer that a kid would accept. And that was sufficient. You know, that the recognition of this God, God is good. It's going to be okay. And that's the kind of thing I suppose that we can, we keep trying to get people to do. But in order for the parents to do it, they have to kind of get back into church and get educated and read things and look at the magazine and listen to the show and, and ponder a little bit and then share what they're pondering on a, on a little lighter level for their kids so the kids can ponder. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know what youth groups there are uh, in all the parishes, but by golly, if you can get a kid to join any kind of youth group at your church, do it because you'll get camaraderie, you'll get good guidance. Um, you may have an avoidance of the clickiness that you're talking about, and it's very good. Jack, do you have any final comments before we close out this particular show? Yeah, well, I, I um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just a day at a time. You know, I would have to say that if you look too far forward or really look too far back, you know, it's, it's counterproductive. You know, you stay in the moment, just stay in the moment and really, really be there and not just be sitting in the same room but to be there and uh, find reasons, find excuses uh, for you to, you know, tag along on interesting things that, that they're doing. Well, as you said before, spend time talking to your kids. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's for free. You don't have to buy anything. Right. You don't have to do it in any particular way, you know, but if, if it's something that's not a normal part of your day then try to make it that yeah, um, good good point and yeah. that would help you i think if you if you're serious about what you have in front of you you will make the effort to prioritize that yeah um you know it, it pays off it really it will well there's no there's no doubt about it you know i mean I, I remember when we had you know our kids were young and it's like was there ever going to be the day when you know and it's like how many times do you, you know and it's ever over and over and over and over again you know, and then I would, I would, you know, always have somebody that would be there that would say, no, you just wait now, you know, mm-hmm. sooner or later, you're going to be wishing for all of that, you know, and, uh, you know, but it is, it is, uh, it is time. You just have to relish the moment that you're in and, and not, you know, not try to, to make it into something it's not. Yeah. A long time ago, I read something where they were interviewing kids and they were asking them, giving them a choice between, say, getting a new um, iPhone or something like that or or spending more time with their dad or mom. And they all said, I would much rather have more time with my mom and dad than the new thing, whatever it happened to be. So that's a good point. Well, you guys certainly have got a lot of good stuff that you guys are talking about. And uh, I commend both of you for the work that you did during the pandemic, especially uh, of getting the diocese rolling and, and keeping all these parishes up to date and dealing with the youth and their problems and dealing with their own family stuff. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but uh, we'll keep up with it. And as I always tell you, if there's something exciting popping up in your life that you, from your department or your church or whatever, that you need to know people to know about, like it's coming up, you know, if you get hold of me on a Monday or Tuesday, I can have a public service announcement on the air that weekend because we have two opportunities to do this stuff. And uh, we, we cover certain things, like we've been covering the power cutoffs by, right by now are happening uh, and how important that is to get your paperwork ready if you have that problem, things like that. But also events, youth events coming up, things that, that would be of significant uh, importance to people to hear about in our diocese. Give me a holler, drop me a note, email me, whatever the heck it is. So, thank you. Thank you for being here and really uh, giving us some fun things to think about. Uh, I had forgotten about clicks. <laughs> I, I must have been in the wrong one. But anyway, we will talk to you guys again, okay? All right, thank Thank you. Good talking to you. Jack Sochi with you on Connecting the Diocese. I want to read you a little quote after our interview. It goes as follows. Children, they have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in place of exercise. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents and tyrannize their teachers. Children are now tyrants. That was a quote from Socrates, who died about 400 years before the birth of Christ. Back with some closing comments after this.
We spent quite a bit of time this hour discussing how to keep your kids of any age connected to the church life. As I've said before, religion is not taught, it's caught. Because you're listening to this show, you already have an interest in an inner life and the workings of the church in the Diocese of La Crosse and worldwide. I would suggest you go to the website for the Diocese of La Crosse, diolc.org, and see what they have to offer for you and what you may be able to point out to the children in your household. There's everything there from homilies and talks to visuals to university-grade courses that you can actually take online at no charge to you. Of course, Bishop Callahan, the Bishop of the Diocese of La Crosse, is there with his blogs and his talks, lots of things like that. And also, as you probably heard, there are a lot of great videos of things like special masses and ordinations and all kinds of things that our communications department have put together that were originally streamed live, but now available for viewing later. Also, about the last 100 copies of this show, Connecting the Diocese, are available for replaying or download their MP3 audio files. There's no charge for them. You don't have to register or give a password or give an email address, and you can copy it onto your own device, or you can just listen to it online. So if there's a show you want to hear again, or maybe you want to play for someone saying, hey, you really ought to hear this, you just go up to diolc.org slash connecting, or simply go to diolc.org and follow the links. It's sometimes very difficult to tell your child, hey, go look at this. Maybe you'll find something you like. It's a lot better if you look at it and find something you like and say, hey, come here. Look what they're doing on the diocesan website. Doing it together. Sharing opinions. Asking what they think about it. Or asking them what they find interesting on the website. It's a good start. Diolc.org. The website of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Jack Sosha here with you on the final minute or two of Connecting the Diocese. You know, both Eric Archer, our communications director, and I are not only veterans, but we also share the fact that many years apart, we both served at the Pentagon and that we both had top secret clearances. And both of us are startled that a young 21-year-old Reserve Air Force member has been arrested because it is alleged that he foolishly took top-secret documents that he thought that maybe the friends on his gaming group would find fun to read. This group of gamers that he shared this with are mostly teenagers, and of course, one or more of them shared them elsewhere, and of course, the rest now is unfortunately history. Most of us who have similarly been trusted with the nation's highest secrets are simply horrified, but more than that, for this young man, and I feel absolute pity. Yes, pity, because something in his upbringing seemed like it prolonged that adolescent's lack of responsibility and understanding that actions have consequences. And those of you who have not been in the military don't probably understand that he is not going to be tried in a federal court with appeals and this, that, and the other, and all kinds of things in parole. No, he is in the military and will be subject to the UCMJ, the Universal Code of Military Justice. He will be given an honest trial with attorneys under the UCMJ, but chances are there won't be any jury. And if found guilty, there's a very good chance this young man could spend the rest of his life in a military prison. All because his serious lack of judgment endangered the safety of the United States of America and its allies. Folks, it's so important you teach your children well to be responsible. 
to think before they act foolishly. I know it's terribly difficult with a young person. I was one once, but seriously, this young man was treating life like it was a video game that you could just hit reset and everything would go back to the way it was. For me, pity is the only word that comes to mind. I'll catch you next week on Connecting the Diocese. Thank you so much for listening.